afternoon, everyone. This is Blake Ruby in San Antonio, the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, Church of the Souls Evolution. You might be listening in different places around the world, so whatever time of the day it is, whether it's afternoon, evening, morning, whatever, welcome to the show. I hope you've been doing all right. I have been okay. I got up this morning and went to a Toastmasters Club meeting, which is like public speaking, you know, where you practice talking in front of other people. I'm a member of three clubs. One club, it only meets once a month. But the other two clubs are, the one today meets the first and third Saturday of each month, and the other one, which is actually a club for women, but my wife is a member, so they accepted me as a member, meets weekly, Tuesdays. And so I'm always practicing my public speaking. And then having my own radio show, that helps too. Don't you agree? That would be, that is an awesome way to improve your public speaking skills and you always have to be prepared. You never know when someone's going to ask you to say a word or talk in front of a lot of people. And I don't mind. I'm getting more used to it now. I'm learning to do different things, practice different things. You know, like reading out loud, I can do that. I can sing. I love singing. And I've got many songs that I practice. I was just practicing some before my show. Anyway, so... I gave a speech, I gave a a speech this morning, and it was a 22-minute speech altogether, 22 minutes and 22 seconds, actually. You know, I get distracted by things around here. But, um, you know, sometimes we trip on our tongues, we we misspeak, say a word improperly, but many times I feel, I believe that it can be explained by being distracted, annoyed perhaps, maybe something in our field of vision flashes by, you know, like there's some dragonflies flying around my backyard, and they're very amazing insects, you know, that if you try to figure out the purpose of their flying around, they, they zip around, you know, making quick turns, going up and down, and they've only just started appearing, you know, now when caught. I haven't seen them really in June. Now it's July. Happy July, by the way. The dragonflies are awesome insects. They can fly backwards. Did you know that? They can hover. And there's one in particular flying around my backyard now. I I can't look at it for too long because it's hard to keep it in my vision and focus, you know. But anyway, so I gave that speech this morning, and it was about a work-related class that I've got coming up, and that's one good thing about Toastmasters is that you can practice any work-related speeches that you have coming up from any time that you might be spending in front of people talking, you know, and so I encourage anybody out there to join Toastmasters because public speaking is really something that's ingrained in our society. Not everybody can do it. You look at all the people on TV. You know, they've got these high-paying jobs. Wolf Blitzer makes $5 million a year. And some of the other CNN anchors, they make millions of dollars a year. And other channels, you know, like Sean Hannity and um, who's the woman on CBS, uh, Nora McDonald, they make millions of dollars each year. Why? Because they can talk. They know how to talk. It shouldn't be rocket science. It's just 
the language of the heart. But you got to practice it, just like anything else. You want to become proficient at it, you got to practice it. In order to practice it, well, you can go to college, you can take classes. But Toastmasters has been going on a long time, many years. I think it started like about in the 1920s. And it is the future. I've always said that. They should have Toastmasters or some form of it in school from the very beginning, even kindergarten. I'm not joking around. I think it is applicable. You know, get the children to stand up in front of the class, read from a book or teach them how to read, you know, get them used to that feeling. It's good for the heart, good for the soul, uh, because when you get embarrassed, and I've been embarrassed many times in talking in front of people, and you step on your tongue or you say the wrong thing or you stutter, it's something that sticks on your mind for like, a long time afterwards, like a hangover, you know, if only I, I could have done that properly. If only I could have been confident when I was speaking. But it doesn't always happen that way. And so you've got a lot of people in our society who are quiet. And what's the word? They're um, kind of they withdrawn into their shelves, kind of. And I was like that for many, many, many years. And then I joined the Army, and then I had to sing cadence and say cadence while marching, you know, sing while running, stand in front of formation, and that helped throughout the years. And then also, I had to give classes as part of the professional development courses. And I started getting better, but still, there was... There were the butterflies in my stomach, so to speak, you know, butterflies, but the nervousness, the rapid heartbeat, you know, the difficulty breathing, taking a deep breath. Sometimes life, my friend, is just about, enjoying life is just about knowing how to take a deep breath at any time, any single time during the day. Just a deep breath. You know, I found out that being an accomplished singer myself, one has to, and I'm a work in progress, and I've been refining my skills for years, years. And you have to be able to let your arms dangle by your side when you're talking and when you're singing. Usually people will, they've got what I call the nervous arm syndrome, where they've got their arms up and they're, you know, throwing their hands around when you breathe that way, you don't really use your abdominal area. When you have your arms down by your side, just look, for example, on a YouTube video of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, other choirs, also um, Jesus Christ Superstar, the recent one with John Legend. They all know how to sing and talk with their arms just dangling by their side. And if you look on the Internet, too, how do you sing? Where do you keep your arms? And they say, have your arms loosely by your side. So if you do that, then, of course, also you're going to be lifting your arms up and gesturing. But you have to be able to do both, you know. Also talk with your arms down by your side. So I would recommend that you practice that. But don't just take my word for it. Look on the Internet, research everything. Question everything, right? Just like with ancient aliens, they say question everything. Oh, yes, the extraterrestrials are out there. Life is out there, my friends. 
I love saying this on my show. I've said it so many times. I was talking with my wife today at this restaurant we went to after the Toastmasters Club meeting called Papado's. Papado's is a pretty popular restaurant here in Texas and Louisiana, I believe, is Cajun cooking, but it's really high quality food, you know. It's very pricey, too. costs a lot, but it's worth it, I think. And I was saying, with people sitting around and other tables nearby, I was saying, look at all the life here on planet Earth. I mean, those dragonflies, for example, flying around, butterflies in my backyard. There's some kind of insect hanging on the, uh, the screen. Looks like it could be a cricket, perhaps. Many, many different types of insects, really, around the world, especially in the rainforest, in the Amazon jungle, there's like so many hundred thousands in a single acre of land. But around the world, there's over a million types of insects. And then think of all the other life, the fish and the seas and the different types of fish, the crustaceans, the whales, which are mammals, really. But, you know, like 30,000 plus different types and over 10,000 types of birds and reptiles and all different types, you know. It's amazing, 9,000 types of amphibians, over 5,000 types of mammals. Now, all that life here on Earth happened by accident. Logically, and I do mean logically for the people who are logical, no offense intended, then life could happen accidentally anywhere, and I do mean anywhere in the universe. And we know in our heart of hearts and our souls of souls, soul of souls, that there are other planets out there that are being discovered all the time. So suffice it to say the universe is an extremely large place, right? We know that. I subscribe to the Big Bang Theory, you know, from the beginning, when the universe began forming itself one solar system after a time, and one galaxy after so many solar systems were formed within that galaxy, a new galaxy would begin forming. And here we are in the Milky Way galaxy, in a spiral arm, kind of on the outside, maybe 100,000 light years across, so maybe that's the diameter, the radius would be 50,000, so about 50,000 light years from the center of the Milky Way galaxy, 50,000 light years. Oh, that's a long distance, my friend. You know how many miles in a single light year? Like six trillion miles. Yeah. Alpha Centauri, which is the nearest star to our solar system, is four light years away. And just to give you an idea how far that is, the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft launched in the 70s traveling at a top speed of about 40,000 miles an hour, heading in that direction. It still take another 15 to 20,000 years to get there. It's just four light years away. Isn't that amazing? So suffice it to say, and I do mean suffice it to say, that the universe is an incomprehensibly large place. Also, we must take into consideration that the borders of infinite space, infinite Space are expanding as we talk. I don't know what that looks like, but just imagine, if you will, a new solar system forming out there, a new sun being born, you know, that nuclear fire igniting at the core, and a new solar system being formed, all the gases and dust and particles swirling around and quite forming, 
coagulating and sticking together, in other words, and getting larger and larger and larger until you have moon-sized heavenly bodies and planet-sized bodies. And also, the sun is round just like the Earth, you know, and the moon. Isn't that also amazing how the sun could be 93 million miles away, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm taking a drink of water. The sun is 93 million miles away. The moon is 250,000, 250,000 miles away. Yet, when you have the different eclipses, you know, you could see the moon cross over in front of the sun. What's that called? The lunar eclipse. They are the exact same size. Now, me, I say, isn't God great, you know, because going back to what I said about the universe being an accident, that's just too complicated. All this life, all that life I mentioned, you think that really happened by accident? You think there was no intelligence behind creating like a common house fly, which has a mind of its own, it can fly where it wants to, and knows it means to eat and reproduce. That's its main function in life, to eat and reproduce. They know exactly how to do it. They can fly from here to there. They know when you're trying to attack them, they know how to defend themselves somewhat. And that's just a common house fly. I've mentioned the other almost a million types of insects, probably more than a million, all with individual minds and metabolisms and reproductive systems and eyes that see. I think some probably breathe the air. I'm not sure about that. And just amazing little miracles of creation, which we take for granted, because we are also miracles of creation, are we not? Co-creator gods in the making, you know, after this life, we'll transition to another life, a different kind, and we will become the real form, the real us. And I hope that's not too scary to talk about. Some people, that is scary, because... When you dabble with the truth, the truth can be, I remember one of the shows, I don't know if it's still going on in BBS radio, called The Ass-Kicking Truth, something, something, The Ass-Kicking Truth, excuse my language, the butt-kicking truth, maybe if that's more, if that sounds better for you, but the point is the truth can be very hard to take. Some people can't handle the truth. And there are, suffice it to say, different kinds of truth. Like that album by Van Halen, a different kind of truth. But more than that, it's the deepness, the profoundness of truth, which some people can't talk about. It's like the extraterrestrials that are out there. We know they're out there. And one of the reasons they haven't made contact with us is because we don't believe that they exist. We need that proof, the evidence, them landing in our backyard, us being able to look at them and touch them, try to communicate with them. But just like Jesus, if you have faith that Jesus walked this earth at one time and performed all those miracles, how many were there? Many, right? Turning water into wine, walking on the water, calming the storm, feeding the people on the Sermon on the Mount, 
curing a blind, more than one blind people, curing lepers, curing paralyzed people, casting out people with demons who were possessed demonically, and, um, you know, helping them find fish on that side of the boat. And of course, the greatest miracle of all was the resurrection. Besides raising Lazarus from the dead, but the resurrection was indeed the greatest miracle of all time. And he said, Jesus said that I'm going to come back in three days. But the disciples, you know, not being probably extremely intelligent human beings at that time in our history, 2,000 years ago, they couldn't believe everything they heard. They just was beyond their comprehension to understand how he was going to do it come back from being dead, and they saw his dead body, and that was the plan, that he would die on the cross and come back to life. Oh, my God, if I could do that myself, if I could be born on some planet somewhere in the universe, it's going through its own stages of evolution similar to what happened on our planet 2,000 years ago, Similar, you know, people, human beings, in that stage of evolution where they have very little technology and money and they're barely surviving. The lifespan for both male and females is not incredibly high. There's a lot of disease they have to cope with and a lot of sexual immorality, a lot of killing each other, you know. Typical, like I said, the way things were 2,000 years ago. If I could go back in time and do what Jesus did, you know, being, I wouldn't want to be the baby born in Bethlehem because the baby that was born in Bethlehem and the man who died on the cross were two different individuals. And if you want to really find out about that and learn more, I suggest you read the book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet. I've explained it many times before in the past, but I don't want to spend a lot of time explaining it now, but if I've got your curiosity... Read that book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet. I guarantee you that will be one of the best books you have ever read if you are interested in developing yourself spiritually or evolving your soul to another level. Some people aren't ready for that. That's okay. When you die, I hope you don't have any remorse for not having known better or done things that you should have done. But anyway, the Jesus who died on the cross, without talking about the baby who was born in Bethlehem, and had that star of Bethlehem up above him shining down on his manger, which was really an extraterrestrial probe. No one really gives that much thought, right? That light that shone down directly on the manger for at least a couple of days and a couple of nights. You know, it's a scientific and astronomical fact that heavenly bodies are constantly in motion and cannot stop. Therefore, why didn't you think that it had to be something else besides that? We're always expanding our intelligence daily, my friends. I don't blame you or accuse you of anything like that, but I'm just saying there's always time. It's always the right time to open your mind and change your point of view, your perspective on some things. That light that shone down on the manger was nothing more than advanced extraterrestrial technology, and that's the truth, and nothing further needs to be said. Now, with the man who died on the cross, who had a three-year ministry, and it wasn't the same individual who was born in Bethlehem, who later went on to, at age 12, 13 years old, went on to Burma, China, and India, wound up in Japan, 
got married, had a family, and died at a ripe old age of 90-some years old. No, that wasn't him. The man who died on the cross was an extraterrestrial from the planet Thaya Uba who put his body, his astral body, I mean, in a human body that was made just like an avatar, how they made the blue bodies. Well, these extraterrestrials, being very advanced technologically and spiritually, made a human body. That takes a lot of work, believe me. You have to have a lot of knowledge to do that because there's many parts of the human body, like the astral body, the fluidic body, the astrophysical body, the psychological, uh, physiological body, different parts that have to be done with a lot of care and attention to detail and more than that, knowledge on how to do it. And so that individual that was chosen who volunteered to come to earth to help save the world, and indeed that's what Jesus did, the Jesus who died on the cross, even after 2,000 years, his legacy still continues. And let me say this. I believe if he hadn't come to earth, we wouldn't be where we are today. We wouldn't have gotten past the third or fourth century. We would have wound up destroying ourselves with war, famine, pestilence, disease. Yes, because at the time when Jesus appeared, even after Moses' time, you know, the world was in a very sorry state of affairs. Very sorry. I'm going to take a drink. But a lot of negativity, sexual immorality, a lot of disease going on, a lot of murder, terrible things happening, a lot of cruelty and unkindness being perpetrated, you know, like a ripple effect. And the time was ripe for divine intervention of a very special kind. And so these extraterrestrials who are given guardianship of our planet, in concert, if you will, with the creator of the solar system and the co-creator gods, actually, and the co-creator gods of the Milky Way galaxy. Yes, you're going to be a co-creator god someday. I think most of us will. And you'll have your own spirit children and your own planets, your own solar system. And therefore, they chose this one individual. He slipped his astral body into that human body that they made, as I mentioned, just like an avatar. He came to Earth, dropped off, probably in the cover of darkness, and he was in constant communication with the spaceship. Therefore, that explains some of the miracles that he performed, like when he was about to be stoned, how he disappeared. And when he appeared in the room after the resurrection, uh, they said the door was closed, and, well, very simply, he was beamed in. They have that technology, the same technology that's in Star Trek. It's not fantasy. That's a very valid reality with extraterrestrial civilizations, the ability to transform matter and also direct it to whatever location they want to, you know. Just like in Star Trek, beaming people down from the spaceship to planets or to another spaceship, wherever they want to beam it, it's just a question of knowing the location, the coordinates, and disassembling and reassembling the molecules of the individuals. So maybe have to have a special suit on. And so that's just the future, my friends. Matter transformation, we don't know how to do it yet. But that is in our future, I guarantee it. It might take a while yet before they discover that, but 
there's a lot of brilliant, intelligent people in the world that are working on stuff like that, scientists and astronomers. And then we also have, still have, I believe, contact with extraterrestrials, our government does and has had in the past. Yes, that's right. We've even had a, an exchange program with some aliens from the Zeta Reticuli star system, commonly known as the Greys, where they gave us several of their spacecraft in exchange for, I think they they wanted to do experiments on some human beings in regard to a hybrid species, and we uh, cooperated with them, gave them what they asked for. I'm not sure exactly all the details, but that's just one example of many where we've had contact with extraterrestrials that's been covered up because people lie, people can't handle the truth. Still can. Hopefully, my radio show and talking about this kind of thing might help in that regard so that as we go forward into the future, and believe me, my friends, it would behoove us big time to make contact with extraterrestrials. Why? Two main reasons. Two main reasons. Number one, we would become star travelers just like them. Anybody out there want to explore the universe? I mean, the way we're going right now, you know, with these uh, Elon Musk and the uh, SpaceX and, you know, shuttles to the moon or Mars or might even be after my lifetime, you know, and maybe yours too. But if we make contact with extraterrestrials, they would share their technology with us. And probably in a matter of years, we would know how to build their spacecraft. We would take advantage of the anti-gravity electromagnetic propulsion systems that they have, use them, in other words. And, and they would teach us everything that we need to know in regard to traveling through interstellar space, being able to warp it because space is a fabric, just like Einstein said, you can bend it, curve it, warp it. It's not like this blank nothingness. It is a fabric. That's why I was telling you before in a previous show that the universe is a manufactured reality. Even the darkness is manufactured. Dark energy, dark matter. The light in the universe is the sun. This whole physical universe was created. It didn't exist always. It's just a new manufactured reality you consider maybe 15 billion years ago new, but since then, the universe has been expanding and growing at a very incredible rate. They say it's accelerating, and I believe them. Edwin Hubble said it was accelerating because he saw that light shift, you know, from looking at stars and telescopes and seeing the blue-red differences and knowing that some bodies are expanding and also accelerating. Well, I'm not sure about others, if others are, but most of the universe is accelerating, actually, which is okay. I think that's easy to understand when you consider the size and scope of the universe, and it's expanding in a circular motion outwards. Anyway, so the extraterrestrials, I say anyway, anyway is a word that I use to change subjects. It's a nice transition. However, when I'm at Toastmasters, they... They ding me for that. No, you can't use any way or so. And I use a lot of hands too. But you know what? Sometimes people listen to the filler words rather than more of what I talk about. That's the, one of the things about Toastmasters that I don't particularly like. Also, just when you get warmed up, usually speeches are five to seven minutes. 
just when you get warmed up, it's time to stop. Me here on my radio show, I've got one hour to talk, and it's great. I would encourage anybody who wants to practice their public speaking, be able to talk for an hour. It's not an easy thing. Just keep on going, you know, change subjects. It's fun. It's, I'm proud of what I've been able to do. I have a, a very deep sense of accomplishment after each show, you know. Sometimes I'm a little bit freaked out by some of the things I say, tell you the truth, because it's kind of considered taboo, the subjects that I talk about, the spirit, extraterrestrials, you know. Once upon a time, well, you could get killed, assassinated. If you knew something about some extraterrestrial bodies that were recovered from a alien spacecraft wreckage, you know, like Roswell, for example, people who knew about that and wanted to talk, that, were gonna, that did talk afterwards, were assassinated. And that's true. Because they didn't want the public to know that extraterrestrials exist. And even now, you never know. But the men in black, I'm not sure who exactly who they are. They could be from the U.S., some government agency that's kind of underneath books, if you know what I mean. And uh, some secret um, black operation unit, you know, or maybe it might be extraterrestrials themselves who don't have our best interests in mind. And there are many species that have been making contact, making contact with Earth over the years. You know, I've heard like 60 different species. And throughout our history in the past, you know, with Moses back to his time, some of the other civilizations that lived on Earth, the Incas, the Mayas, on Easter Island, the Aztecs the Egyptians in Egypt, you know, the pyramids, they weren't built by ordinary human beings. No. Logically, you can't pile 600 feet high, 50-ton blocks on top of each other with just pure manpower, ropes, and logs, okay? If you think that, then you're wrong, simply. And that's quite often something we see nowadays. People are just wrong. But they don't know better. You know, we learn each day. Maybe tomorrow they might know. They might learn. Maybe they'll open their minds and think outside the box, so to speak, you know. It always behooves us to keep an open mind, a different perspective, you know, and not conform with what other people say. Because that's really the thing. People want to conform so that they are not ostracized by their family and friends, uh, but then are they really friends? Are people really friends that don't really care to live or die, you know, and they're just conformists too. Our goal, our mission in life really is to walk alone, you know, because we're going to die alone. We can't take our money with us. We know that. Anyway, I'm going to take a drink. What's well, saying about the extraterrestrials sharing their technology I personally would love to be a star traveler. As long as it's safe, you know, I think under their tutelage, under their guardianship, and they would make sure that everything that we created was safe, you know, the technology. Perhaps they would let us use some of their spacecraft. I don't know. Or they would just teach us how to build our own. But the other thing I was telling you about, point number two as to why it would be beneficial for us to make contact with extraterrestrials is because they would help us cure diseases. They would let us know what we're doing wrong. Cancer, heart disease, COVID, other viruses. They would say, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. You shouldn't be eating that. 
you should be doing this. And so we would know how to cure diseases thanks to their help. Now, isn't that appealing to you? Or do you want to get older and get cancer or, you know, some cancer somewhere in your body? We make contact with extraterrestrials, I guarantee you. Take it from me, from Blake. The Reverend Blake Ruby. We will be able to cure diseases almost overnight. Guaranteed. You still want to make contact with extraterrestrials? Or do you want to go down the path of war and destruction like it's been happening on Earth for thousands of years now and still going on, like in Ukraine and other places around the world, occasionally a war will pop up. People killing each other, innocent men, women, and children. Children being killed all the time, like in Ukraine. Lots of children have been killed over there. You want to continue to live in a world like that, my friend? Or do you want to think outside the box and consider making contact with extraterrestrials? Consider having the bravery and the courage to want to do that for the betterment of mankind and for yourself, for your own soul's evolution. They're out there. They're waiting for us. They haven't made contact because we're at a stage right now where we're not even sure if there's life out there. And I told you, and I'll say it again, it happened by accident here. It could happen by accident anywhere. The first solar system that was created after the Big Bang or in another galaxy next to us, the Andromeda Galaxy, or maybe the Large Magellanic Cloud Galaxy. There's so many different galaxies out there. If it all happened here on this little planet, this jewel of a planet, planet Earth, in our solar system, logically, it could happen by accident on any other planet. And you know how many planets they discovered up to date? Like 13, 1,500. They're discovering like one or two every day. And they've also discovered like three, 400 solar systems. So don't give me that. There's no other planets on Earth, like Earth out there. No other planets, period, out there. Yes, there are. The universe is filled with billions of planets, probably millions of Earth-like planets. I tell you the truth. That is the truth, my friends. And it didn't happen by accident, in case you were wondering maybe if I was getting somewhere with what I was saying. I wasn't really, but on the subject, well, yes, there is a creator of the universe. He's out there. I challenge you, my friends, pray to the creator of the universe. Say in your prayers. And Don, I was talking with Don, he was saying a prayer, or he said he would say a prayer at the beginning, before my show. And I challenge you to say a prayer instead of, oh, God, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus. And that's okay. If you know what they look like and who you're actually praying to, you know what they look like? You know who God look, what God looks like? You know what his face looks like? You know how big he is? Is he as big as a house? Ordinary human being? How can you pray to something or somebody that you don't even know what they look like? It's like praying to a tree on the other side of the world, like in China, a different kind of tree that you know exists, but you haven't seen it. I pray to you, oh great tree. I don't know what you look like, but hear my prayer, please. Please answer my prayer. Well, pray to the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe. Offer up a prayer. Say, creator of the universe, this is Blake. How is it doing? 
you'd probably say something like, hey, pretty good, you know, doing all right. How's it been going? The creative universe is cool to the nth degree. The creative universe epitomizes the word cool. It is the epitome, he, she. The creative universe really isn't a he and a she. And it's not an it either. It is the creator, a spirit, it's energy, an energy field that fluctuates in size and, uh, and omniscience and omnipotence that knows everything and has unlimited power, magical power, my friend, magical power. You know what magical power means? It means being able to do anything that you want. If you want a brand new car, say you want a brand new car. What kind of car do you want? I've got magical, omnipotent power. You want a brand new BMW, electrical BMW? Okay. There you go. In your backyard, in your driveway, waiting for you. What color did you want? White? You wanted white, didn't you? You got it. There. That's what you call magic. You could watch Harry Potter movies, you know. These are actors making money acting. You can believe in that if you want to, or you can get more intelligent and realize that some things are just fantasy and not reality. Reality is the creator of the universe. Offer up a prayer to the creator of the universe, and I guarantee you, you will hear... I say him, because i got to use that pronoun. Him respond to you, or she respond to you. I hear it all the time. I'll say, creator of the universe, I just want to say I love you, and the creator, well, I can hear it in my mind. You can have conversations with the creator in your mind. I love you, too. Thank you. That was a beautiful prayer. So try it. Just try something different instead of Lord. What do you mean when you say Lord? You mean the Lord Jesus? You mean God? Why pray to the Son of God, who really wasn't the Son? We're all children of God. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in Heaven. So, you know, I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble. We're all the children, right? If you believe what Jesus said, Our Father who art in Heaven. He was just a co-creator God in the making. In that stage of his evolution, he's like a brother instead of a father. The Father, Father God and Mother God, who really exists in Heaven, on the sun, in the throne room, on their thrones. Brilliant, brilliant, shining, beautiful, glorious brilliance that would wash over you with a power, the force of a hurricane wind if you were in their presence standing in front of them, which I think all of us will do someday, some judgment day. And we will have a life review of our life here on Earth, what we did well, what we didn't do so well, the pain we caused other people, the good, the bad, depending on whether or not you repented for some of the things you did, some of the things that you were guilty about having done and shameful. Well, hold on just a minute. I think a dog wants to come out. Well, I thought I heard a knocking at the door. It wasn't a dog. But who knows now, in a few seconds, one might come out here and not close the door. Anyway. And... I know everybody is where they are in their own soul's evolution, you know, here on Earth. I think there's a lot of advanced souls, and there's some that aren't so advanced. When I say advanced soul, I mean souls that have lived a lot of previous lifetimes, you know. We can't remember them because we were made to forget them. When we were born into this planet, we were made to forget. Have you ever heard of something called the River of Oblivion, where the memories of our past lives are erased? 
That's what happens when you're born into planet Earth. So whether you're a young soul, an intermediate soul, or an advanced soul, it's really not possible to remember what past lives you've had unless you're a very special individual like, for example, remember this name, Roy Mills. Roy, R-O-Y Mills, M-I-L-S. He wrote a book called The Soul's Remembrance. He said that we all existed before we were born in a pre-existence spirit. All of us were souls. The soul is the brain of the spirit, just like we have a brain in our physical bodies. And before coming to Earth, we agreed to all the conditions. We looked in the book of life. We foresaw everything that would happen. So we're really on a mission. And we've agreed already to some of the things that are happening in our lives. That's why, too bad, I can't win the lottery because I sure would love to have a few million dollars to buy a new house and, and be on a lake somewhere or a river and have my own boat dock, you know, and maybe a brand-new car and get the money away. But if that wasn't written into our plan at the beginning, you know, before we were born onto this planet, then it's not going to happen. It's possible that it could happen, but that's not written in the stars, so to speak. There are exceptions to policy, so to speak, but normally if we're on a mission, our goal is to follow that mission to a T and thereby give glory to the co-creator God, mother and father God in heaven. And that's the same with everybody. We're given a mission. We all stand in front of, if you're a male spirit, you stand in front of Father God. If you're a female spirit, you stand in front of Mother God. You brought up on the stage in front of all the auditorium full of spirits. And then one-on-one, you're given your mission. And that's what Roy Mills says in his book, The Soul's Remembrance. He said that every single one of us has been in that auditorium and has gone up on stage to receive their mission. There's no cheap missions. There's no not important missions. Every mission is important. Every person has a mission that's very important for the betterment of mankind, for the human race, make the world a better place. And so the goal is for us to stay on our mission, not get branched away, you know, go off in tangent, go down different paths, Maybe a path of substance abuse or sexual perversion or maybe money, following money, thinking money is God, you know, and money is the, is the way to success. Um, but maybe in, in the physical world, but not for your soul. You know, you can't take the money with you. Everyone knows that. Of course, it's nice to have it. We need money in order to survive, but it isn't everything, you know. There are have been societies on earth before who were not monetary societies where all the products they had, meat, food, vegetables, flowers, were all given away free. They love to do it. Because why? Because they loved each other. We should be adoring each other as human beings, knowing that you could die tomorrow. I could die tomorrow. And you would never hear from me again, never see me again on this planet, in this body should tell you that we're all worth adoring and loving, knowing that we all could die at any moment. There's a possibility that our planet might, how should I say it, it might slip off its axis. 
it could uh, start turning on a new axis. But if it stopped, the world stopped turning on its axis, earthquakes would break out everywhere. Continents would submerge beneath the ocean. New continents would rise up from the bottom of the ocean. The whole planet Earth would reshape itself. The face of the Earth would be brand new. Suffice it to say, very, very few people would survive. This could happen at any time because, don't you know, we've been not treating planet Earth like we should be treating it, you know? We've been polluting the atmosphere with fossil fuels. We've been extracting oil from beneath the surface of the Earth, which is there for a very specific reason for the shifting of the tectonic plate, you know? And... I don't want to say that because I'm not in charge. Mother and Father God know this. You know, I don't want, don't want it to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But if planet Earth is suffering because of how we're treating it, you know, and it's a cosmic being in its own right. You've heard of Mother Gaia, right? Planet Earth being Mother Gaia. Then it's possible that it could stop and reshape itself at any time. Therefore, it behooves us, it's not beyond the point of no return, I think, where, and I'm guilty of this, I drive a car, a four-cylinder engine, but I spew carbon monoxide into the atmosphere with my car, and this is guilty as other people. Let your vehicles out of the way ahead in the future. Hopefully, God willing, I can get a electric car. I think I would like that. And other things, too, factories, polluting the, the oceans, the seas, the rivers and lakes. We need to get them back to the pristine way they were in the past centuries before before we started befouling them. So the air, the water, my friends, there's a lot of work to be done, but we can do it. We can just turn ourselves around, all with a greater knowledge of who we are, where we're going. Like I mentioned, we have missions we were sent here. We volunteered to come here. Some of us did. I think most of us did. We are souls on a journey throughout the universe from one planet to another in that process of reincarnation. And one life after another, we gain that knowledge that we need for our soul to evolve to the point where we have reached a status of co-creator God because we have gained that much knowledge and that is the plan of the supreme creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, the great spirit the original spirit that's the plan because that helps the supreme creator grow our growth that we have manifested in the journey of our soul over lifetimes can later be assimilated into the ocean of the Creator's Spirit, like a drop of water, so to speak, thereby expanding the overall essence, if you will, of the Supreme Creator, because the Supreme Creator can be compared to like an ocean. Its spirit can be compared to like an ocean in the sense that it's extremely enormous and is in constant motion, can move all around the universe. The Supreme Creator can be as large as the entire universe because the whole universe was created by him, her, it. 
Also, the Supreme Creator could listen to you in your prayers that you lift up to the Supreme Creator. Because you are very dear. We are very dear. We are the children. We're not some fly. We're not an insect. We're not a dog. We're not a cat. We could have been, maybe. We're not a giraffe. We're not an elephant. We're not a tiger. We're not a, a dingo living in Australia. We're not a snake. We're not a fish. We're not a whale. We are human beings. And it was meant to be that way. We're very special beings who have the potential to die, who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we have a heart, and we have a brain, we have a soul in our spirit. We are gods, just like Jesus said. You are God. And like in my website, CBS Radio says, it says, Jesus said, you are God. That's what he meant back then. But people living on the earth 2,000 years ago had a very hard time and always, but due respect to them. Can you imagine how it would have been if we'd lived back then, how hard, you know, dealing with very little money, getting, trying to find enough food, working maybe some very menial labor job, not having a, a large life expectancy, dealing with disease all the time, murder and sexual immorality rampant. It was very difficult. It was very difficult for the pioneers who went across the West a couple hundred years ago, you know, and they had to fight the Indians and they had to fight outlaws and they were dealing with the Mother Nature's ways of killing people, lightning storms, flash floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, you know, animals that would eat them, insects that would poison them, snakes that would poison them, all that stuff that they had to deal with. They were a very special group of human beings that volunteered to come to the earth during that time because they were a particular type of soul needing that kind of evolution for their soul. Here we are. And we are in the golden era, the golden age. And we are here to make a difference. We are here to save what's been made wrong with our world. We are here to change the pollution, put things back to the way they were before, have pristine waters, all the rivers, lakes, these oceans, beautiful, and the air fresh to breathe. Can you imagine just going back in time, maybe 500 years ago, or even 200 years ago, and just breathe the air back then, how pure and, and exhilarating it would be to breathe in that air, knowing that, you know, there's not wildfires that are kind of polluting the air like up in northern United States, northern United States and Canada, just to give you an example. You know, and then the carbon monoxide, you go to cities like L.A. or Mexico City, there's so much smog in the air. It's hard to breathe. In fact, they have these air alerts where they recommend people don't go outside because they can't breathe. shouldn't breathe the air because it would be bad for their health. What's up with that? You know, but it wasn't always our fault. I mean, I've only been alive for I'll be 69 next month. And that's just shortly after World War II ended, my friends. We can make a difference. 
I encourage you, pray to the Supreme Creator, the Creator of the universe. That's all you have to say. Know that the Supreme Creator kind of looks like the Aurora Borealis, a spirit, kind of shimmering in the distance, huge inside, but with an omniscient intelligence. The Creator knows you, all about you, how many hairs you have on your head. You're very dearly loved. You're beloved, all of us, you, listening. The Creator of the universe loves you very much. Knows how many grains of sand are on a beach in New Zealand. That's how intelligent the Supreme Creator is. Knows how many tiny little grains of sand are on one particular beach in New Zealand. Knows how many hairs you have on your head. You are loved. Supreme Creator, I call him him, her, it, the Supreme Creator. Check out this YouTube video. Just type in near-death experience, creator of the universe. This woman had a near-death experience. She almost drowned. I'll try to keep it short. She had an encounter with the creator of the universe. And as I mentioned, the creator of the universe is very cool. You couldn't possibly have a more knowing and beloved friend than the creator of the universe. It is the epitome of cool. It will communicate with you in, in a way that you're going to love. So just give it a try, please. Instead of praying to God or Jesus or Mother Mary or Lord, think of the creator of the universe. Watch that video so you get an idea. It's a beautiful little picture in that video of what the Supreme Creator looks like. This woman who had the New York experience said, she said that it looked like an aurora borealis, for lack of a better way of describing it. And she said, oh, my God, I'm in the presence of God, the creator of the universe. And just as soon as she thought that, she heard back in her mind. Of course, she was in the spirit then because she had popped out of the body after being drowned. She later came back to life. And it's pretty, a pretty miraculous thing, and a series of events that happened in order to restore her life and her body. So check out that video. She said, you are the creator of the universe. Almost instantly, like that, in a second, she heard back, I am the creator of the universe. And she said, you know everything. And just that same second, I know everything. The creator of the universe knows everything. No fooling the creator of the universe. It, it, it could be here, and yet right there at the center of the universe, 15 billion light years away. The creator of the universe can traverse the entire creation of the universe because it is its creation. Every single thing, every single speck of dust or grain of sand was created by the Supreme Creator. Everything. All these trees I'm looking at, all the insects, all created by the Creator of the universe. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, because the Supreme Creator put in these powers, cosmic powers and ways that we can utilize by knowing how to speak them into existence. Whether you're creating a planet or a sun, you just know, have to know, the words. And that takes time, my friends. That takes a long time for your soul to evolve to the point where you have that 
responsibility and knowledge to be able to utilize those words because, indeed, there is a lot of responsibility in creating something as beautiful and as amazing as a planet, for example. I've got one minute left, my friend, so it's good talking with you. I thank God, the creator of the universe, and my mother and father God in heaven, too, for the opportunity to share this information that I've given you on the show that I've learned from other people. How about that? I learned from other people and I share it with you. I'm not taking responsibility. I thank all the sources of my knowledge and I wish you the best. Until next week, a happy 4th of July. May it be safe and enjoyable for you. I love you and so does the supreme creator of the universe, the creator of the universe. Talk to you next Saturday. Bye-bye.